Uh, let's see, I'll have you read some scriptures this morning. Who would uh, like to volunteer to read 1 John 2, 15 and through 17? You have your Bibles. And um, the other one is uh, Romans 7, beginning in verse 14. And um, then a, a third one, Second Corinthians four, sixteen and eighteen. Okay. Four, sixteen, eighteen. Yeah, and then another one uh, from the Psalms, Psalms one eighteen, one through seven. And a volunteer for that. <coughs> Okay, sure. thank you. And don't even forget, I. Psalms 118. Yeah, 118. Um, let's see. Uh, 1 through 7. Okay. I get to rattling on and then I forget to do what I need to do. So that's happening more and more lately. <laughs> Richard just had surgery. I said, I just went to the doctor this week and he confirmed it. I'm getting old with some. <laughs> All right. Uh, my grandson's here, Garrett. I think, I don't know if the other, I have two more, two girls, granddaughters that are, I don't know if they're going to show up here or not, but uh, might go to the team class. So welcome, Garrett. Uh, let's begin with a prayer. And we thank you, uh, Lord. For a new day, for this uh, Lord's Day to come before you and open your word. Your word is truth, Father. It strengthens us and encourages us. It uh, gives us comfort and hope and uh, points us uh, in the direction of you, Lord, and your glory. And help us to see in the scriptures the truth of your word. Uh, mm -hmm. You revealed yourself in, your one, in the wonders of your creation and through the truth of your word and uh, by the gift of your son jesus christ our savior uh, you took on flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld your glory and so father help us to see uh, the truth uh, and the glory that awaits us and to see the world in which we live to see it more accurately and uh, truthfully and to contrast it father to compare it with the glory and as your word says there's no comparison with what awaits us so thank you for uh, loving us for being our father for creating us in your image help us to reflect your truth and your light and be like you in this world and we thank you for this class in jesus name amen all right over the last couple of weeks uh, i've got a few new people in here we've been talking about um, seeing the unseen and uh, why is it so hard for people to believe because we can't in something you can't see um, and I, I drew this diagram here last week the two realms and put things mostly on this side and I'll, I'll just uh, uh, highlight some of those things again this morning but uh, this is this diagram just doesn't get it you know it's it's not heavens over there and, and <coughs> earth is over here and they're separate realms and and that's somewhat true but uh, my understanding of heaven is that we're surrounded by it 
that uh, we, uh, if you read the book of Ephesians, we we dwell right now in the heavenly realms. And I think that means that it's all around us. In the story of uh, Elijah in the Old Testament, who uh, uh, was surrounded by the enemy, by the Assyrian army, and God and he said to his servant, Lord, open his eyes. And he opened his eyes and he looked and he saw the chariot, the hills full of chariots of fire and angels. And uh, one of our old hymns says, uh, there are angels all around. Does that sound familiar? I can't think of the title of it or the name of it, but uh, maybe there's an angel here in this room. We're going to study about angels in one of our coming uh, lessons. See how many of you believe in angels. And uh, how many of you have seen one? I don't know. Maybe some of us have. We were in um, northern uh, Wisconsin, right on uh, Lake Superior. Superior, Wisconsin is called. And uh, there's a state park, Patterson State Park, uh, just a few miles south of... Uh, Superior, the the highest waterfall west or east of the Mississippi, in Patterson State Park, a waterfall drops 168 feet, and uh, so we were up there uh, enjoying that. And welcome, you guys, the Kirkland clan, and my sweet wife. Just about to talk about her. <laughs> <laughs> So we're in uh, Patterson State Park, and uh, we're on an overlook looking way down into this uh, gorge uh, where the waterfall dropped. And the sun was off to the west uh, late in the afternoon, and it hit her as I looked at her standing way over there, and her hair just glowed. Her auburn hair just turned white, brilliant white in the sunlight. And if you've ever watched uh, Touch by an Angel with um, uh, Roma Downey, that's what happens. Her hair turns, you know, it glows. So you know she's an angel. So uh, there she was. She looked like an angel standing over there. So it's Christmas time and I've got some good points in here. So. <laughs> well, last week we spent a lot of time talking about the uh, earthly realm, okay? And uh, it's obvious we know we live here, okay? And so we're familiar with it and we're surrounded by it and it's, uh, it's our life. And um, here we live. And so I listed all these things and in the first uh, 11 chapters of Genesis, it's all right there. Let me just uh, read my list here. Um, uh, <clears throat> we saw how evil entered the heavenly realm in uh, Genesis chapter 3. Uh, the beauty and innate goodness of God's creation was suddenly stained by sin. Um, the world that God pronounced good and his crowning creation, mankind, that he pronounced very good. And like um, a precious vase cast to the ground, it was shattered in pieces. The floodgates of sin and death spread over this beauty of creation called Eden. Uh, from the beginning chapters of the Bible through uh, chapter 11, uh, we see it all. We saw the temptation of Adam and Eve, paradise lost, the first um, 
I can't read my writing. Um, the first uh, lie that was spoken, uh, death that came into the world, pain, suffering, fear, hiding, shame, blame, painful toil, the ground cursed, uh, and men uh, created uh, for honor and glory and loving fellowship with God were alienated and driven from the garden. Uh, why did God put, it's, as you read the, the text there in Genesis 3, uh, cherubim standing at the entrance to Eden with a, with a flashing flaming sword guarding the way to the tree of life? Why did God do that? Well, they vanished at need. He vanished out of need, so keep them out. Okay. Now, last week we drew we, a uh, tree of life. And what was over on this side? Another tree. Let's put a G and an E here. The tree of good and evil. And it's interesting that before Adam and Eve sinned, they lived in this paradise called Eden. There was something called evil. It was already present. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, don't touch it. Don't eat of it. Stay away from it. And we saw the temptation of the serpent. Revelation calls him that ancient serpent, uh, the devil. Um, who tempted Adam and Eve and they lost paradise. Not only did they lose paradise, but the, the day you eat of it, you shall die. Okay, so death came into the world and paradise was lost. And all of these uh, evil things that just uh, spread out into the world, like opening Pandora's box, it infected this uh, beauty and wonder of God's creation and the crowning achievement of his creation, man, that he said was very good, um, was became subject to death. So they were driven out of the garden, banished from the tree of life, because if they were able to uh, have access to the tree of life, what would have happened? It kept going. What? They would have kept going. And now they're, they're, they're stained with sin, as Paul writes in Romans, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men because all have sinned. And so they would have lived in that uh, state of sin and death uh, with access to the tree of life uh, forever. And so God drove them out. And in his... Uh, uh, great and eternal plan. He he had a way to fix things. Seems like God's always having to fix things, not because what He's made and what He does is imperfect, but because we as humans have um, harmed it in great ways. Um, and as we moved on from chapter 3 into chapter 4, 5, 6. We saw the first murder. Cain kills his brother uh, Abel. Uh, we saw anger. We saw murder. We saw evil and violence. God saw that the earth was full of violence and that every thought of imagination of man's heart was only evil continually. Can you imagine that? 
a world in which mankind was incapable of a good and honest and, and uh, righteous thought because they were so um, uh, devoted to, uh, to evil. Uh, their minds were corrupted, according to uh, Romans chapter 1. Uh, there was continual evil, a world of trouble, and what a mess. What a mess it became. Uh, what was the word for violence that we mentioned last week? Hamas. Hamas, yeah, 67 times found in the Old Testament. The word, uh, uh, Hebrew word for violence, Hamas. Um, who has uh, 1 John 2, 15 through 17? Someone volunteered to read that. Who Do not love the world or anything in the world. Anyone who loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. <clears throat> for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, <coughs> the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of the Father lives forever. Okay. So John says, do not love the world or anything in the world. And then he says, here's the world. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those three things pretty much characterize our world, our world of evil. And uh, Keith, we are going to come back and talk about the good here. So it was, uh, it was part of our creation too, thankfully. Um, but notice those three things. And, and why does John say, John, the apostles writing this, beloved, love not the world and the things that are in the world. But the same author in the Gospel of John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. So how do, how do you reconcile those? One says God loved the world, and the other one says love not the world. There are two perspectives here. you got Hashem on one side, you got man on the other, who... When Hashem came down and flooded the earth, he was angry and decided to recreate man from Noah. After the flood and after the population recreated, it's almost as though Hashem said, okay, I know what these people are. They're stiff-necked. They are have their minds totally on something that is not what I want them to have it on. And he said, I understand that this is going to happen. And he and if you look at the world from that point on, mm-hmm. there hasn't been much change. They've everybody every human has been for the most part having their minds on things that Hashem did not want them to have their minds on. They were going against Hashem's desires. And that's pure evil. Yeah. When Richard says Hashem, what do you say? Literally, it means the name. The name, okay. It is a conversational word to use for what you would say. Yahweh. Or you would say God. God, yeah. Okay. Um... In well, John in the passage uh, 
that was read was uh, saying, here's what the world is, the world I'm telling you not to love. The lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Uh, on the in the other John three sixteen, this world that God created, and He created it as a habitation for mankind. God loved it, and He loves mankind, and He loves us so much that He gave His only begotten Son uh, to save us and and to redeem us and to redeem the creation that He made the world. And we're going to see that when we uh, look at Romans chapter eight in a future lesson. Uh, he loved us so much and his creation so much that he um, set about to uh, redeem it, okay? Uh, interestingly, as you look at um, Genesis chapter 3 and the uh, temptation uh, of Adam and Eve in the garden, <clears throat> and those three uh, things that John says are in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And that's exactly what we see here in, in Genesis <coughs> chapter 3. Um, Satan says, you will not surely die. God knows that when you uh, eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God himself, knowing good and evil. Jesus calls um, the Satan a liar and a murderer from the beginning in uh, in. Um, he, he in was, John chapter 8. Uh, he, he said it right. Yeah. He said the correct thing because if you go down to verse 20, it says, See, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Okay. He said exactly what Hashem said later. Yeah. But he didn't. He was. He did it for the wrong reason. And the pronoun us is an interesting um concept and we'll discuss it more in a future lesson but when god said let us make man in our image who's the us and here in the passage that's the common uh, view and there are others that uh, take it differently um there's rick we talked about uh genesis or uh, psalm 82 we'll we'll bring that up in a future date but notice that uh, Satan tempts the woman, and the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good, lust of the eyes. And it was good for food and, oh, and pleasing to the eye, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and what else? And for gaining wisdom, desirable for gaining wisdom. And so Satan says, when you do this, you'll be like God, the pride of life. We talked about that last week, uh, approbation lust, uh, uh, the desire for approval and to be noticed and be recognized and be uh, honored. And um, that's exactly the sin of Satan. Okay, So those three things that John says are in the world, that's right there in that, in that um, first sin and the first temptation. And we haven't got time, but if you go and look at... Uh, the temptation of Jesus in uh, the wilderness, when he's led out into the wilderness, those three things, again, I uh, uh, can't quote it off the top of my head, but he, Satan takes him to a high mountain and says, I, uh, 
What do you see? All these kingdoms, lust of the eyes. I'll give these to you if you'll fall down and worship me. Oh no, the first one was uh, make these stones, turn these stones into bread, the lust of the flesh. And then I'll give you all these kingdoms because they've been given to me and I have the authority over them. That's an interesting conversation right there. But the lust of the eyes. And then he takes them to a high pinnacle of the temple and he says, it's written in Psalms, uh, cast yourself down because he will give his he's given his angels charge concerning you and they will bear you up lest at any time you should dash your foot against a stone. A temptation to, to do what? Pride. Pride. Prove who you are. Work a miracle. Show the whole world that you are you are who you claim to be. The pride of life. So those three uh, things that characterize the world of uh, evil um, are there always. And Paul writes uh, 2 Corinthians, I can't remember where the verse is, uh, we're not ignorant of his schemes. Schemata is the Greek word. Satan, um, he doesn't seem to come up with anything new. Nothing new under the sun. He just keeps using the same old tricks. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And uh, one time or another in our life, we fall for um, we fall for those. Who is Romans 7? I do. Yeah. You should start on 19 and... Uh, uh, 14. Oh, 14? Yeah. Uh, 14 to where? Uh, just, uh, I don't know where. <laughs> you just tell me when. Okay. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Yeah. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. Okay. Notice that that those words, the war war going on in the mind. And what is the struggle? What is the conflict here for Paul? It's a struggle between what? Good and evil. And... Um, God gave a law, God gave the Ten Commandments, um, the Torah, to regulate human life. Um, he brought uh, Israel out of Egypt and he said, uh, 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 I'm trying to think how the, uh, 
Exodus uh, uh, 10 begins with, uh, Exodus 20, I mean, begins, uh, I got to, thankfully it's still written down. <laughs> God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol. Um, something with an image that you call your God. And you shall not use, misuse the name of the Lord. And you shall honor the Sabbath. And then all the uh, commandments that regulate uh, our human life uh, under the sun. And um, it starts out by saying, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of what? Egypt. Out of Egypt. Out of what? Slavery. Slavery. And and the passage <clears throat> you just read talked about I'm a slave in my mind. I'm a slave to, to sin. I don't want to sin, but guess what? I end up sinning. And I want to do good, and guess what? I end up doing the very opposite. So this this dichotomy of between good and evil is struggle back and forth and we all know it we've all been there we've all experienced that in our life and it's part of this fallen world that we we live in um satan is called the father of lies and look what a lie brought into the world one lie Maybe it was two or three lies all in, rolled up in one there. But look what lie, what a lie did to the world. No wonder God hates lies. There's a, a passage, uh, Proverbs 6 says, These six things the Lord hates, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. And if you read the, the, uh, the text there, he, he, reads, uh, he lists seven things that God hates. If, if, if you read that God hates something, you better pay attention. And guess what? Two of those of the seven deal with lying. Lying lips. Uh, deceit. God hates it. It was the thing that destroyed his creation from the beginning. Uh, he calls Satan a liar, the father of lies, a murderer from the beginning. There's no truth in him. He speaks his native language. What language does uh, Satan speak? Lies. Lies. Whatever comes out of his mouth, you can guarantee it's a lie. Um, there's a, there was an interesting study done back in the 1950s, and I still remember this from my college years. Uh, it's in every um, introductory freshman psychology course. It was a study done by uh, Solomon Ash. Um, and he set out to investigate the extent to which social pressure uh, could affect conformity of belief. So I got a little diagram up here, and this is what he, he used in some of his study. I don't know if you can see it from over there. Yeah, you can. Which line over here matches this one? One on the far right, nearest to it. All of them are the same. My eyes are. <laughs> well, I didn't draw it very accurately. I have a, a, a little chart. You could look it up. Uh, Solomon Ash, um, uh, Social Conformity. And it was uh, 
something every uh, introductory psychology class offers. Well, when he administered this test, um, just generally throwing it out like I did, uh, everybody, one, only 1% one got it wrong. I guess the, I'm intended, somebody said the one on the far right, and that's the right answer. Uh, and in this diagram, it's, it's blatantly obvious. But what he did was he took a class, like a group like us, and um, before he brought in the, the candidate for, uh, to see what he would do, he coached the class so they were all actors. And he said, here's what I want you to say. I want you to say, this is the longest one. And, and in this picture, I don't know if you can see it. Um, <laughs> pretty obvious. The one in the center, is that the longest one? So the, the whole class is saying, uh, that's the longest one. He brings in a, another student after this is all uh, going on and the stooge is just, I won't point to anybody, sitting <laughs> sitting uh, there in the class listening and uh, the other one comes in and he asks him, well, which one's the longest? And he points, he says, well, that one is. 75% of the people who were the uninformed stooge agreed then, went along with the majority opinion. And the whole study was uh, aimed at uh, how does social pressure and the, the desire to conform with everyone else, uh, agree with everyone else, how does that affect us? Do we see that going on in our world today? It's called groupthink. Yeah, groupthink. Um, just this week in the, the news, Fox News <laughs> carried an item. Uh, uh, a uh, elementary uh, student in Seattle failed the question, the quiz, flunked, that was all about human sexuality and other issues that were part of the quiz. One of the questions was, can men get pregnant? And he said, no, of course not. Common sense. This, this is the shortest line. It's not the, you know, uh, well, she flunked him because he got it wrong. Uh, you see how groupthink and how uh, social pressure, and boy, we've even got it worse today with all the social media that's out there, pushing lies, pushing lies on our world. And people are believing it. Uh, I've just been astounded by the number of students on our our colleges who are out protesting and um, promoting our, uh, you know, saying evil is good and good is evil. Just an upside down world. How can that be? Where is that coming from? I was uh, surprised this week, Sharon's a reader. She reads a couple of books a week. I wished I did. And she read a, a historical novel about um, France in World War II. And I, I, I couldn't believe this. 
um, France participated in the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Did he, Richard, or did anyone else know that? Um, because they were so afraid of the Germans, they participated in the persecution of Jews from 1940 to 1944. Um, they deported Jews from France to Nazi concentration camps um, in occupied Poland. They, the deportation started in 1942 and lasted until July 1944. 340,000 Jews were rounded up by the French, of all things. 75,000 were deported to death camps where 72,500 were murdered. Um, well, there's a lot of evil in this world. Look at one lie brought into our world. You know, talking about the Nazis, my stepdad, he was a Nazi, and he said that that he believed what Hitler was saying, but he found out too late that it was all lies. Uh. So. Now that old adage about tell a person a lie long enough they'll believe it, that, that was written in uh, Hitler's Mein Kampf. Yeah. Kampf? Okay, Mein Kampf. And um, he, he, he said it was the Jews who were lying, but he was the one lying. You have to understand, Hitler's basic philosophy related to the Jews came from Martin Luther. Luther wrote, Luther put the 99 theses on the wall, on the door, and he thought the Jews would come running to the Christian side of religion. They didn't. He then wrote a thesis or a text that said, the Jew, that is called the Jews and their lies, and he said Jews should be forced to drink urine, put in their synagogues, and forced to eat feces, and burned. Martin Luther was not a good man. Well, I didn't know that side of it, of the story, but uh, remember the ancient covenant with Abraham. And so we've been talking about Genesis uh, one to eleven, and actually eleven will come back to it, the Tower of Babel incident. But chapter twelve is like a, a hinge. It's like a transition in the story because there's a man that God recognizes and calls out of Ur of Chaldees and makes a covenant with him. And he says to Abraham, I'll bless those who bless you and I'll curse those who curse you and in you shall all families of the earth be blessed. Um, it, ever since that time, people have been cursing and before that, uh, well, Israel didn't exist before that, but uh, and promised they did, uh, have been cursing Israel. It's a sad world we live in. Well, I promised Keith I'd come back and talk here about the good. Because <laughs> we, we, we had a, a, a pretty dark picture last week of all the sin and evil in the world. But is there good in the world? Good and evil. Bob? 
brand new babies are good. <laughs> yeah, well, they are. They as are. As as <laughs> yeah. What is good in the world? The things that God made. Things that God made. We can be. Yeah. We know to be. We're capable in, and we know to be. And we've given a law to help guide us to the greater good. Uh, there's a passage in Deuteronomy. I don't have it written down here. Deuteronomy 29, I think. God says, I've set before you blessing and cursing. Um, and when he made the covenant with uh, Israel on Mount Sinai, <clears throat> and then later uh, as they're going into the promised land, he renews the covenant. There were two mountains. One was called Mount Ebal, and the other one was called uh, Mount Gerizim. Ebal was a pile of rocks. Gerizim was a verdant, grass-covered, green um, mountaintop or hilltop. One was the, uh, designated as the Mount of Blessing. The other one was designated as the Mount of Cursing. It's a symbolic thing, okay? <clears throat> blessing and cursing, good and evil. And I've set before you life and death. Is, is God the author of death? No. Death, by one man sin entered and came into the world and death by sin. Uh, but here it is. And here's the problem. We're given a choice. I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, but choose life that you may live. Here's God saying, choose life. Do what's good. Choose to live. Choose to honor me. Choose to obey my word. Uh, because I'm your Father in heaven. Deuteronomy 30. Deuteronomy 30, okay. Um, so here's God holding out the choices that we have, but it's like this. Choose life. Choose life. Do what's right. Do what's good. Why did God, if he... Charlotte, you always ask these kind of questions when she's little. <laughs> why, 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 why? But that's not unusual. The book of Psalms is full of questions like that. Why this? Why that? How long? When, Lord? Uh, because we don't know the future. We, it's unseen, okay? Except what God has revealed to us. But one of the questions that uh, is so natural to ask is, why did God create mankind if he knew we'd sin? Bring all this evil and shame on, on the world. Why did he create us? Why did he create Satan? Why is Satan there? What's he doing? What's behind this story? Where did this tree okay. of good and evil come from? There's nothing evil in the ship. Period. Right. The, what makes evil is going, turning away from the ship. That's evil. Yeah. So, in the essence of did he create Satan? No. Satan, from what scripture says, Satan was an angel who decided to turn against or challenge the ship. Yeah. And. Why did he create us? 
there was there's a lot of discussion about that. that <laughs> yeah. when, he was, when, he, when Hashem decided to do that, all the angels said, No, 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 don't do that. And he said, No, I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. But there, there is a, core, a relationship between Hashem and man that he wants. He wants relationship with us. Why? I think that's a question for him. Yeah. But it's obvious that he wants relationship with us. And he wants us to do to follow his commands. Mm-hmm. Now we're we're told we're made in God's image. So in, in the image of God he created us, male and female, not anything else. He created us uh, in his image. We're created in the image of God, and that is echoed all through Scripture to reflect the image of God. And God is light, and so we re- we're to reflect light and truth and goodness uh, in the world because we're image bearers. A friend of ours in Minneapolis worked for a company called Icon. It was a copier company that made copiers. Uh, Icon is the word for image, a uh, Greek word for image. Um, it's also the word uh, used for idols. Okay, idol is an image that someone is creating and saying, "This is my God. This is our God." Or we we try to recreate the world in our own image instead of the image of God. It's interesting to me that the creation of Hashem is the one who creates their gods. Yeah. Instead of going back to the Creator yeah. and trying to create something. Of their own making. Yeah, last week we talked about how we're in the image of God. We are, we are creators, so we build and we sculpt and we paint and we write and we do things that no other creature does because we have that desire to create. The difference is that God created ex nihilo. The Latins would say from nothing, but we must take what is created and then reshape it and. Uh, uh, gather the raw materials together to uh, make what we do. And unfortunately, we do that in the moral realm too, to create idols and to to uh, to commit evil. So what is in the world? Good as well as evil. Light and life and beauty and the wonder of God's design. Um, it just I look to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. We see the beauty in the creation. Uh, we see uh, the creation as a witness of God's goodness and glory. And the best thing, the greatest thing in the world is, well, little babies, okay? But the love that God creates in a family. Uh, the uh, New Testament talks about four loves, four loves. What's the greatest love? Agape, agape love. Uh, for God so loved, and it's the word agape. But there's there's three others. There's eros, which is erotic or sexual love or love between a husband and wife. There's uh, phileo. We get the term. Uh, we get the uh, Philadelphia from it. It's brotherly love. It's friendship, like we share with each other. And the other one is uh, storge, which is family love. And it runs very deep. And when we we lose somebody in our family, it hurts. 
it's part of the evil and pain of this world. Uh, we can't hardly bear to, to lose someone that we love in our life. Um, Richard and Tanya Cooper were working with a family. I don't remember their names, but how long have they been? Yeah, Russell and Marguerite. Marguerite. They were married 72 years. Can you imagine that? We should take a poll and see who's been a poll and see who's been married the longest in here. Um, so love, family love is is such a wonderful gift from God. And here's what I think. Um, I think that this this evil or <laughs> that's in the world, I think it draws us to God. And why does the evil of the world draw us to God? Because we want to get back to Eden. Because we've been created with a desire for that relationship. Yeah. God put eternity in the heart of man. We want something better. You know, we say, you can do better. We, we can do better than this. I think evil draws us to God. If you let it, it can draw you away from God. It, that was the, the number one uh, argument that atheists use against uh, the belief in God is pain and suffering in the world. Why would God allow pain and suffering in the world? If he loves the world, he wouldn't do that. If he was all-powerful, he would stop it. But he doesn't, so there must not be a God. That's uh, the main argument that uh, for uh, of atheists uh, for the existence of God. Uh, C.S. Lewis uh, wrote a lot about pain and suffering in the world. He, he wrote a book called A Grief Observed about the death of his wife, uh, who he loved with all his heart. And he struggled with it. We all do. Um, he called this world, he had another uh, a term for it that came out of the Chronicles of Narnia, a chapter in one of his books called Leaving Shadowlands. He called this existence, our earthly realm, he called it the Shadowlands. What'd you say? Yeah. So did Paul. Uh, uh, let's see, I think I have written it down here. Colossians 2, I can't remember the verse. <clears throat> These things are a shadow of things to come, shadows. And the book of Hebrews talks about the construction of the tabernacle and all the furnishings of the tab tabernacle and writer says, These are all shadows of the reality that is in heaven. So uh, shadow lands is a, uh, you know, a good description, I guess. By the way, there's a movie about the life of uh, C.S. Lewis, and his wife's name was Joy. Um, I think she was an American uh, poet. And <clears throat> anyway, uh, Shadowlands is the name of the movie. If you've got Netflix, you can pull it up and watch it. So there is good in the world. Um, who, who has Psalm 118, 1 through 7? Just almost out of time. Oh, yeah, sure. One through seven? Yeah. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, because his mercy endures forever. Let Israel now say, his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron now say, his mercy endures forever. 
Let those who fear the Lord now say, His mercy endures forever. I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire of those who hate me. The Lord is good. Give thanks to the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Um, Job suffered tremendously. His wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? Why don't you be like the atheists who say, suffering is the reason not to believe in God. So just curse God and die. And what did Job say? The Lord gave and the Lord taketh away and blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this, Job did not sin or accuse God of wrong. Okay, uh, <laughs> only got through half of my stuff. Here. So we'll come back to it next week. Let me just mention, uh, sort of on the tail end of this, um, we were going to come back and talk about uh, Genesis 11, Babel. Okay, there's, there's a lot of meaning in that story. This building this tower and, and I think it was I think it's all an effort to get back to God to get back to Eden I guess I should put it that way and ever since that time there have been all these uh, utopian views of how we achieve that all of them devoid of letting God do his work in us um, human effort human um, uh, self-reliance we can find our way back to Eden. And if we just set up a paradise on earth, uh, we'll, we'll achieve it. And if we have to do it by force and by murder and by killing, well, <laughs> so be it. And that's kind of what we're seeing a lot in our world uh, today. So, Okay, thank you very much. And uh, we'll come back to, not next week. Next week is, uh, we don't have class. Do we have, do we have class on New Year's Eve? Yeah. We do. Okay. Good. All right. We'll see you in two weeks. Then. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the senior minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.